go ahead and look at our scripture that can be found on page four of the bulletin. As we continue on uh, our series, Abide in Me, this is that most famous passage where Jesus tells us that he is the vine and that we are the branches. Uh, so this is John 15, 9 through 11. Jesus speaks, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. The word of the Lord. Well, I, the main theme here, if you look at this passage, is related to love. And uh, love is a many splendor thing, isn't it? Uh, love lifts us up to where we belong. All you need is love, right? Uh, of course, in reiterating uh, song titles. In fact, if you were to go to um, songs that have love in them, uh, you would never run out of places to look. I was looking at just famous songs that have love in the title. Perhaps you've heard of some of these. All You Need Is Love by the Beatles. Elvis Presley's Can't Help Falling in Love. Eric Clapton and the Sunshine of Your Love. Queen's Crazy Little Thing Called Love. One of my favorites by Bon Jovi, You Give Love a Bad Name. I'm tempted right now to pick up that Taylor guitar and, and start cranking that out. Look at my self-restraint. Love Shack by the B-52s. I just called to say I love you, Stevie Wonder, and When a Man Loves a Woman by Percy Sledge. I think I sang that to Lee Ellen on the night that I proposed to her. That probably is why she said yes or something like that. No shortage of songs with love in the title. Because love is really what life is about, isn't it? If you boil it down, the deepest desire of our hearts is to find love. And I want to suggest to you that we're searching for God in love, for to search for love is to search for God. I appreciate a song that came out in high school by Steve Winwood called Bring Me a Higher Love. These were some of his lyrics. He said, bring me a higher love, bring me a higher love. I could rise above on a higher love. I will wait for it. I'm not too late for it until I sing my song. Bring me a higher love. What's that higher love I keep thinking of? Steve is remarking that there is a love that he's seeking that he can't seem to find. He feels it inside of his heart. He's simply not sure where it is, but he's going to keep hoping that he's going to find it. And so the power of this passage, and there's sometimes when I come up here to preach and wonder how the heck am I going to be able to communicate and explain the import behind these words, because I think they're some of the greatest words ever spoken to mankind. Where Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Remain in my love. And if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's, and abide in his love. I guess the point I really want to make is to live in Christ's love is the culmination of all that it means to live. 
So we must examine what it means to know and live in the love of Christ. We're going to look at three specific points. Number one, why should we abide in his love? What is it about his love that's greater than any other love? Number two, how do we abide in his love? God gives us instructions through the Holy Spirit, through Christ in this passage of how it is that we are to abide in his love. And finally, the joy that we receive from choosing to abide in his love. Because to live in Christ's love is the culmination of life. So let's begin with point one, why should we abide in his love? Jesus in John 15, 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. We notice that there's a shift in Jesus' discourse and his focus. Until here, he's been speaking about abiding in him. Jesus has given those words that I am the vine and you are the branches. He's indicated that the life we are supposed to live, the Christian life, is a life of dependence. That as we live in Christ dependent on him, we are able to bear fruit. But the focus and the goal has been on doing or bearing, on producing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone remains in me, he will bear much fruit. And we resonate with that message, don't we, as Americans? Because we are about production. We are about producing. America is actually the third uh, country, least country, to take vacation. Japan is first, South Korea, and then the United States, because we're about producing. And so this message resonates with us. We receive a new technique from Jesus, that if we simply remain in him, we will bear much fruit. But Jesus wants to understand uh, deeper than that, because this isn't about production, it's about relation. It's about relationship. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. It doesn't say if you love me and I love you, you will produce much. It doesn't really say anything about production. It's about relation. It's about remaining in his love. Now think a little bit about that statement. As the Father has loved me, Jesus says, so have I loved you. It's quite astounding. The name that God wants to be known as, his final name, is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That built into God's name speaks of the nature of his being, of Father and Son. Jesus showed in John 17, 24, that there is a love that has existed between Father and Son before there was anything else, before the creation was, came into existence, there was the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and the love that they had between them that bound them together. John 17, 24, when Jesus prays his high priestly prayer, he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Before any of this existed, there was love between the Father and the Son, filling the universe. When Jesus began his earthly ministry, before he was tempted in the desert, before he did all the works that he was sent to do in terms of uh, coming and proclaiming the good news of the gospel, there was his baptism. 
And it says, as Jesus came before John the Baptist, as, as he was baptized by him, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at the moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, whom I love. With him, I am well, I am well pleased. See, before Jesus had done anything, God proclaimed his love to him and for the world to see because love isn't about doing it's about who you are this relationship of love is much deeper than production it's about relation it was later that jesus said for he whom god has sent utters the words of god for he gives the spirit without measure for the father loves the son and has given all things into his hand and so Jesus takes this relationship between father and son and he turns it on us with these magnificent words. So have I loved you? As my father has loved me from eternity, so have I loved you. He's saying that the nature, the same nature of the father's love for the son is the nature of the love that I have for you. The same character of that love is the love that I have for you. The same intensity of that love is the love that I have for you. Not because of what you do or what you're going to do, but rather because of who you are. There is no greater love in the universe that exists than this love from Jesus Christ. And so he tells us, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. I want you to abide in my love. I want you to live in it. I want you to rest in it. I want you to know it. See, the love that Jesus has for us never changes. But our experience of it can change. Our experience of knowing that love can change based on our behavior. His love always stays the same, but he wants us to know the fullness of his love all the time. And so he uses the words, abide in his love. What he wants for me to do is to experience his love. He doesn't need us to do anything, does he? With the word, he brings the solar system and the universe and the galaxies and the planets into order. No, he created us for the purpose of being loved and loving him and those around us. And so that which we need most that's which our heart turns on with love. Proverbs 19.22 says, What a man desires is unfailing love. And so if we analyze humanity, if we look at our hearts, we discover that what it is that we have been looking for all around, all along, what it is that we need is this higher love. The love that they're searching for, that they're depicting in the movies, always falls short because the love of a human can never approach the love that Jesus has for us. You know, it's one thing to say that I'm married. It's another thing to say that I feel loved by my spouse. See, I think we can fall into this, this sort of thing with Jesus. I know that he loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. In other words, we know it cognitively, but Jesus is after so much more than simple cognition, is he? 
I know that my wife loves me. It's there on the paper. She said I do. In sickness and in health, in riches and in wants, till death do us part. It's in the contract. But a contract by itself is cold, isn't it? It's unfeeling. It's uncaring. It doesn't keep my heart warm. No, what I need is for her to express her love for me. I need to feel it. I need to know it. And I need to reciprocate it. Jesus is saying that my love for you, that I want you to know and experience is so much more than simply a contract that I agreed to with you because I did this and you did this. I want you to abide and experience and rest and know my love. So do you. You may say, I'm a faithful, Bible-believing Christian. I come, I attend, I try to follow his word. I'm a productive, fruit-bearing Christian. If you look at my life and my character, the way I treat others, you would see an example of someone who's following in the footsteps of Christ. I am productive. But would you be able to say, I'm loved. I know it in my heart of hearts. I feel it every day. I am loved by God and his son, Jesus Christ. For you can have everything else. But if you don't have his love, what do you have? So the point I'm trying to make and he's trying to make is that he wants us to abide moment by moment, minute by minute in the experiential, existential love of Christ. So how high of a priority are you making it in your life to rest in the love of God? We chase after love in so many different places, don't we? Whether it's admiration and respect of our colleagues at work, whether it's through story or fantasy, through human love. Maybe we don't believe in our heart of hearts that God can really provide this undivided, unconditional love. And we've bought into the lie. But we need to choose the higher love. For it is the love that God has intended for us. It is the God that we are, it is the love that we're meant to live in because to live in Christ's love is the culmination of life. This brings me to my second point. How are we to abide in God's love? This is the amazing thing about this passage. For it says, if you keep my Father's commands, if you keep my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and abide in his love. It's a simple if-then statement. Our God is not a moody God. He's not a capricious God. He is steady. He is, theologically, the term is simple. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he shows us that this is not a complicated process to experience and know his love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my commandments. This is fantastic news that we can experience his love. 
as we keep his commandments, just as Jesus experiences love. It's not that God's love changes, as you can see here. Christ's love for us is always the same, but our experience of God's love changes based on whether we're obeying him or not. So what does it mean to keep his commandments? This word keep, synonyms for the word keep, uh, in the Greek would be to guard my commandments, to set a watch over my commandments, to mark attentively and to heed the commandments. Some Old Testament passages help to draw out the meaning, I think. This is Deuteronomy 8.11. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Joshua 22.5 puts it this way. But be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. To love the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to obey his commands, and to hold fast to him, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. So we see to keep his commandments means to obey his commandments, to look for them, to pay attention for them, to walk closely with them, to mark them, and to heed them. Now we must ask the question, how do I do that? For Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we see that it makes sense why this passage here is in the vine and the branches. Because we have a part, and he has a part. And the part that we have is obedience to his commands. And it starts in our heart. 1 Peter 3.15 puts it this way, But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. I've talked about this before, that in our hearts there is a cross and there is a throne. And if we put ourselves on the throne and Jesus on the cross, we'll live a me-centered life. And what Jesus is saying is put yourself on the cross. In other words, die to yourself and put me on the throne. Make me the king of your heart. See, it's attitude that begins everything because attitude leads to action whoever is my king i will obey and as i set myself on the on the cross and christ on the throne i'm ready to submit to his word and the spirit of god through the word of god leads me in how i am to live how i am to believe and how i am to behave and as i obey there is the strength of God. You see, attitude leads to action, and action leads to power. That as I step out in obedience, I discover that Christ is there to give me the strength to obey. The truth is I am responsible to obey every command that God has given me, and I'm fully dependent on God for the power to do so. But I can do all things to Christ who gives me strength. And so what Christ is really saying here is die to yourself and live to me. Put me first. Make yourself second. And as you put me first, 
As you walk in my commandments and obey, you will discover that I am with you. And we will experience his love. 1 John 2, 4 puts it this way. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now you may ask the question, why do I need to obey God's commandments to abide in his love? And the answer is closeness. See, sin is a barrier that comes between us and God. God is walking in one direction and he says, walk with me. Walk step in step with me. Be near to me. But we cannot experience his love when we walk away from God by disobeying. It's not that his love has changed. It's that the distance of my heart to God's heart has changed. We had an opportunity, it wasn't this weekend, but last weekend to go to the uh, air show, the uh, Norfolk Naval Air Show, or no, it's not the Norfolk show, the one that's here, the Oceania Air Show. I don't know if you've gone before, it's amazing. Got, uh, Lance, uh, Lance's uh, wife was uh, had a booth and everything, it was fantastic. So we went, and of course, the, the, the pinnacle, the last act, if you will, is the Blue Angels. And uh, the Blue Angels have been performing for like 70 years. And uh, they really are sort of the premier acrobatics team in, in, in the uh, world. And they fly uh, F-18s, they're six F-18s. And uh, one of their stunts where they're flying, they're flying at a low speed, is they get in a formation so close to each other that their, their, their wingtip is right over the cockpit. And it's literally 18 inches from the wing tip to the cockpit. Now keep in mind, I have no idea how heavy an F-18 is. I'm sure we're talking tens of thousands of pounds flying through the air. And all that separates them is 18 inches. I wonder if one of the guys ever looks at the other guy or girl and just gives them a little... Because they can see each other. They're that close to each other. And what Jesus is saying is, when you obey my commands, you're, you're coming close to me. We're walking together, arm in arm. And my commands are for your good. And for the good of those around you. So come near to me. Fly near to me. In step with me. Because it's there nestled near to me, under the shadow of my wings, that you can experience and abide in my love. And where else would we want to be at the end of the day, right? See, all throughout our day, we're flying close to someone or something, coming to whatever its sun there is, hoping to experience it's rays. But the culmination of life is to know Christ's love. And so I want to challenge you to get close to Christ. What you're looking for is his love. 
and the means of experiencing his love is obedience to his commands. And he gives us his promise, plain as day, plain, clear, and simple. That if you abide, in, if you obey my commands, you will abide in my love, just as I have. I'm telling you the truth because I live this way myself, for I always do what pleases the Father. What a wonderful thing to fly 18 inches from the face of Jesus Christ and to know his love. But to fly like that requires great concentration, does it not? One mistake of the control stick and all is lost. They're flying based on their skill and the thousands of years of practice, thousands of hours of practice that they have. But we have the Holy Spirit. See, it's the Holy Spirit that brings us close to the Father. As we submit our hearts, say, I will follow close after you. And as we do so, we experience his joy. My final point. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. What are these things that Jesus is talking about? He's really talking about verse 1 to 10. He's summarizing this entire passage, that I am the vine and that you are the branches. I am the source of life that has come near to you. I've made it possible for you to be in me, that you might experience my life and my love. I want you to know me. And so I have told you these things, that the joy that I have by being fully loved by the Father, every moment of my existence, from all of time, you might experience from me, and that your joy may be full. Full joy. Can we find it on planet Earth? Not except through Jesus Christ. You know, there are many things that Jesus could have chosen to tell us and then said, these things I have spoken to you. Right? Could have told us of his greatness, of his creation, of his wonder, of his majesty, of his power. Could have told us of his plan to redeem the world, of how he's going to die and rise again, and then said, these things I have told you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. But he did not choose those things, did he? He chose this, because this is where joy comes from. It was C.S. Lewis who said, we all know the proof of joy to the world. It shows the world that what we have really does satisfy the heart. And so this is the joy of the Lord, that we would experience his love and rejoice in it. My joy and his joy are being unconditionally loved by the Father. He wants us to experience it. It's the same joy where Jesus said to his disciples, my food is to do the will of God, to be so close to him, to be in him as we want you to be in us. This to me is maybe the greatest passage, the greatest words spoken to humanity. That as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And the high and holy work that we have to do is to remain in his love. 
So let us throw aside everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance this race marked out for us. Let us seek to obey that we might know his love as we get closer and closer and closer to his love and experience his joy. For to know and to live in Christ's love is the culmination of life. Don't settle for anything less than the desire that Christ has for you. Let's pray. What amazing words that we might know your love and experience it in a tangible, real, experiential way. What a great promise that if we obey your commands, we will abide in your love. It's not that your love ever changes for us, but it's not enough for you, for us to know your love in a cold, calculated way. You want us to know it as lovers of you. Lord, help us to accept nothing less. Reincline the attitudes and desires of our hearts. That this might be our high and holy task. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.